Hello and welcome to the SJP Wrestling Podcast. First of all, as always, thank you so, so much to the band Awake by Design for their single A Coming Tide, which we use as our theme music now to play us in and out the show. Check out the band on YouTube, Spotify and everywhere else, Awake by Design UK. Uh, but today's show, we're going to be doing something slightly different. Well, I will be doing something slightly different in the way that we haven't actually got a guest this week. Um, I thought because of a little break in the guests I had lined up and one or two that were scheduled cancelling through illness, I thought I'd give a go at podcasting on my own. Um, this is something that I've heard other people discuss and talk about with various levels of success. Some people say they like it, some people say they hate it. I imagine, deep down, I'm not going to lie, that this is going to be a nightmare for me and I'm going to hate it. But I'm going to attempt to get through the whole show without editing anything out, if that's at all possible. Um, I'm going to attempt to get through the whole show without fluffing my lines or making a mistake, which I know will be impossible. Um, so for to the, the purpose of today's show, well there you go, I'm 60 seconds in and I've already gone dud 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 when I'm trying to talk to you. Bloody hell, expect a lot of that this week. <laughs> I'll start that again. For the purpose of today's show, I asked um, people on Twitter, our good friends, our, good, our wrestling community, our own little pocket of the wrestling community on Twitter, to send some questions in to the show. Uh, basically a form of a Q&A or an ask me anything really and we've ended up with some fantastic questions involving wrestling, football, music, other things as well, um, some crazy stuff, some normal stuff, some you know just the weird and wonderful stuff that we normally get from our own little, our own little pocket of the internet wrestling community. Um, so we'll just uh, jump straight into those then. Thank you so, so much to everyone who did message in questions for the show. Um, if I do miss yours, I do apologise. It is completely by accident. Let me know and I will answer it on a future episode of the SJP Wrestling Podcast. We begin with our good buddy Rob at UTT Rob on Twitter from the UTT Podcast. Uh, he has asked something quite clever, to be honest. It's like a three-part question. He has asked, which wrestler would be the best at football? Which footballer would be the best musician? And which musician would be the best wrestler? So I suppose a kind of complete role reversal in a sort of a, a three-way triangle there. Uh, firstly, for me, which wrestler would be best at football? Uh, a video surfaced a while back, didn't it? Of Brock Lesnar doing kick-ups backstage with a few guys. I mean, he didn't seem particularly talented, but I mean, if you're marking Lesnar, I can't imagine that you're going to beat him for strength anytime soon. Um, I imagine the UK guys, like Sheamus, Drew McIntyre, and so on, they seem quite football-orientated. You always see them popping up wearing shirts. I know Sheamus is a big Liverpool fan. Perhaps he's a uh, half-decent, you know, having a kick-around. Um, but I suppose you're probably leaning towards guys like that. I mean a wrestler that I would like to see play football I'd love to see Minoru Suzuki as a centre half or perhaps some form of a midfield enforcer come up against some of the supposed tough men in today's game see if uh, how they fare with Mr Suzuki marking them and how he would react I mean that'd be quite funny which footballer would be the best musician uh, this one really stumped me I'm not 100% sure um, I suppose recently retired Leighton Baines would you think that maybe because he had a habit of taking his guitar on England international tournaments didn't he there's always that one annoying pretentious git who turns up at parties with a guitar isn't there and I suppose Leighton Baines is, is it on this occasion so I suppose you've got to give him a shout for, for that I imagine he knocks out a few Oasis or Blur covers or, or whatever doesn't he looking at the, looking at the guy um, or maybe a, maybe a goalkeeper potentially you know with the size of their hands 
they could be good uh, good at playing the keyboards good at playing piano potentially maybe who knows <laughs> um which musician would be the best wrestler now i've gone a slightly different way with this one rob i do apologize and i've gone with which musician would i like most to see wrestle and i would really enjoy seeing somebody pretentious like bono or somebody who i personally dislike like celine dion just getting completely destroyed by a brock lesnar but that's my own sick perverse mindset there just seeing these people that i'm not a fan of getting the holy crap being out of them by brock lesnar um i would love the opportunity to see Coldplay uh, in the g1 Two aspects to that. One, they get the crap beaten out of them every single week by different Japanese wrestlers. And two, they'd have to face each other. And I think that would be quite a giggle as well. So, yeah, thanks a lot for that question, Rob. That was awesome. Uh, we have a couple here from our good buddy Chris, uh, at Chris one on Twitter. He says, why are, most <laughs> why are most podcasts done by northerners or weirdos from Bristol? Uh, I can't pass judgment on that, my friend, because I'm neither a northerner nor a weirdo from Bristol. Despite how my accent may make me sound, I'm, I'm close to Bristol, I guess. And I know some people do say I sound a little bit uh, from that way, but I'm a Gloucester boy, proper farmer Gloucester boy myself. So I'm afraid I can't comment on that. Uh, and I don't want to be roped into calling people weirdos from Bristol or anything like that either that's completely on you my friends you can deal with the repercussions of that yourself <laughs> uh, chris continues which wrestler gets shit on the most but probably doesn't deserve it in my opinion um that's quite a tricky one i mean I, I, to be honest i don't think any professional wrestler deserves the crap and grief they get if they're a professional wrestler then they obviously have some level of talent vastly superior to anyone who gives them grief on the internet from their parents basement or however it may work you know the, the sort of stereotypical spotty urchin sat there on their laptop typing away i suppose i fit into that bracket myself except i'm not particularly spotty <laughs> um i think jinder mahal's title reign I, this i've said this before and it's been quite controversial people have had a go at me for it but i think jinder mahal's title reign in wwe got shot on uh, undeservedly i think as a heel he ticked a lot of boxes he wasn't a great worker granted but he drew a shit ton of heat and i don't think it was always go away heat and when he finally got defeated it was a fantastic moment but the big one for me i guess would probably be when idiots in in the iwc uh they all crap on kenny omega or the young bucks for being too flippy or too small or this or that you see so many people in Jim Cornette's cult, I suppose, for want of a better term, doing this. Just because they wrestle a style that is not for you doesn't mean they are shit. They're on national television making millions and millions of dollars over however long it may be. They're very, very wealthy, very talented individuals at what they do. But just perhaps their wrestling style isn't for you. You know, I think that's a bit of unfair criticism they get there. Um, Chris also continues with another question here. If you can only watch 12 months of wrestling from one wrestling company, which would it be? Now, this really stumped me when I first read this. There's an obvious standout for me, uh, which would be 1989 NWA, WCW. I think that year was fantastic. Ricky Steamboat and Ric Flair trilogy, Terry Funk being involved with Steamboat and Flair, Luger's ascension up the card, the Road Warriors were there, you had the Midnight Express, the Rock and Roll Express, everything they put on, pretty much every pay-per-view and pretty much every Clash of the Champions was superb. There were some absolute death moments, of course there were, because it was a whole 12 months of wrestling. However, 
there were so many other great moments, it completely outweighed it. If I could only watch 12 months of wrestling, that's what I would pick. I think it would have to be that one. I tried to put that aside, though, because I think that's maybe a bit obvious, because people would expect me to say something like that. Um, so I tried to think of another 12-month period that I've absolutely been mesmerised by, or I really enjoyed. And 2001 WWE, I think, is awesome. The Raw Rumble is one of my favourites. WrestleMania 17 is obviously incredible. I'm sorry, I don't know if you can hear my dog Ronnie making a racket in the background there. I do apologise. I'm recording downstairs this evening whilst my wife and children are upstairs in bed. So I'm surrounded by cats and my dog and all sorts of other noises. So if you hear any interference from those, any sort of run-ins from Lemmy and so on, I apologise for that in advance. Um, yeah, 2001 WWE. I enjoyed the invasion angle as well, even though it wasn't potentially as great as it could have been. Um, I think there's a lot more there than people realise. SummerSlam 2001 was great. The Survivor Series with the end of the invasion angle. The invasion pay-per-view itself. All brilliant, brilliant shows. Lots of great television. Paul Heyman on commentary with Jim Ross for that year. I was a really underrated commentary team as well. So WWE from 2001. Uh, I suppose the second half of... WCW in 96 and then WCW in 97 with the whole NWO thing has got to get a shout as well I mean if I had to pick one I would go with the 1989 NWA though so yeah that's a, that's an absolutely fantastic question that is Chris I'm going to start asking people that myself I mean that's a really interesting interesting question to ask and get different people's viewpoints and, and I suppose different people's wrestling tastes you get I guess from that ask from that you know so many companies and so many styles of wrestling I mean I asked my wife that question when it came in knowing how big a WWE fan she was in the late 90s. And she actually suggested a year and a company that had me thinking, wow, I didn't even consider that because I was always looking in the past. She said, what about the last 12 months or so of AEW? And I was like, well, yeah, from a personal standpoint, for me, I've loved it because I've been watching with my wife and daughter and I've watched every show and every pay-per-view and so on. So maybe that's got to be up there for me as well. It's just such a fascinating question that's just, there's no right or wrong answer. It's an absolutely brilliant shake, Chris. So thank you so, so much for that. Um, our next question comes from Scottish Danny at Scottish Juggalo on Twitter. He says you can win fifty million pounds in cash, but to do so you have to rob a police car. Can you do it? Uh, first of all, yes. I hope my parents aren't listening, but yes, I could do that. I'm not going to say anything more about my past or previous experiences, but yes, I, I'd, I'd fancy myself to be able to do that. And secondly. For 50 million quid, the way this year has gone, with the amount of jobs I've been in and out of, I do it for 50 quid at the moment, mate. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> it is that way at the moment. <laughs> but thank you for the question there, Danny. Always great to hear from you, bud. Um, Total Steve-O on Twitter, our good buddy Steve-O, uh, he's sent a few music-orientated questions in. Um, first one, standout moment from a gig for me. And, and there's so many. I've been going to festivals and concerts and gigs and so on from little local things up to big national things to sell out stadiums and so on as, as long as i can remember decades and decades is probably why my hearing's going to be honest i keep getting shouted at by the wife and kids because i keep turning the telly up more and more because i can never hear it uh, so there's so many options um I suppose I've seen Wasp are one of my favorite bands the american metal band from the 80s Wasp they're one of my favorite bands of all time Seeing them the first time was a, a huge moment for me. Um, but then seeing them... I've seen them numerous times now. I mean, they're touring the UK again next year, and it'll be... I'm going a couple of times. It'll be 16, 17, 18 times I've seen them by the end of the tour. 
Uh, so they tend to keep to roughly a similar set list each time, barring a few new tracks from newer albums. Uh, so seeing them play a track called Widowmaker, maybe when I saw them the fourth or fifth time many years ago, was a real highlight for me because it was something they hadn't played before. Now I have seen them do it since but that moment there was really a big moment for me because i love that track and i never thought i'd get to see them play it live because the last time they had was way back in 1986 when that particular album came out so that was quite a treat um, i'm a huge iron maiden fan so the first time seeing iron maiden at donnington park which is where download festival is held but maiden have headlined so many monsters of rocks at donnington park in the past and bruce dickinson has the the lead singer sorry bruce dickinson has the famous scream for me and then the place name of wherever he is sort of call out to the audience so scream for me birmingham or wherever hearing the, the the live lps and watching the live tapes and so on growing up and hearing and seeing bruce dickinson screaming scream for me donnington and the crowd go absolutely batshit crazy the first time seeing maiden at donnington park and hearing bruce dickinson yell scream for me donnington that was a moment and that was a real emotional moment for me that was 20 years in the making that's all made the hairs on the back of my neck stand up and you know that was that was incredible and then another occasion seeing iron maiden again at donnington park um they had a spitfire an old RAF spitfire fly over the top of the stage when they were playing a song about the second world war that was an incredible visual an incredible moment and quite an emotional moment as well seeing this aircraft so symbolic with the battle of britain world war Two. Uh, and obviously knowing the history and so on um flying over the top of you that very low as well during an iron maiden song about the second world war and and uh, some of the horrific moments that went on in certain battles it was quite a quite an emotional moment as well steve continues um, a favorite gig i've got to say that as a massive Motorhead fan, I saw I was very, very fortunate to see Motorhead eleven times before Lemmy passed away. And obviously they've all the original lineup now they've all gone. But um Lemmy kept the band going with a few other people on his own for for, for quite a while. Um seeing Motorhead eleven times was fantastic. I could pretty much pick I would say eight or nine out of those eleven as being my favourite gigs because Motorhead are well, they weren't that good to me. They were they were one of my favourite bands. I just adored them. Towards the end of Lemmy's life, there were a few where maybe he went on stage a little bit more under the influence than you would wish. Or the last time I saw him half-wise, he wasn't in the best of Nick, I guess. So they kind of took away from those. But maybe eight or nine times out of that 11 was fantastic. And also seeing Motley Crue... And on a separate night, 30 Seconds to Mars, with my wife Sharon. Uh, Motley Crue is a band that we both love, so that was a great moment for us, seeing them together. But also, 30 Seconds to Mars is a band that I'm not massively fussed upon. I'm not hugely bothered myself, but it's my wife's favourite band since before we were together. Uh, so seeing them together live, uh, that was a real great moment and of course i ended up knowing all the words to all the songs because the wife play used to play it all the time so i could have a good sing along with her as well and seeing how emotional how much it meant to my wife made it one of my favorite gigs personally for me too but top of the list first time seeing acdc i never thought i'd get to see the band i thought they'd be done and dusted band members have left band members were ill and so on they're not exactly young men uh, they had an arena tour in the UK that sold out in minutes and I missed out on tickets. 
and then they announced a show at Wembley Stadium and my wife again Sharon she uh, she got me a ticket to go and see see them at Wembley and it was one of the best nights of my life a band I never thought I'd see one of my favorite bands since I was about nine ten years old um, seeing them live at Wembley Stadium just absolutely insanely good so so good unbelievable uh, just bear with me one second I'm gonna have to let the cat in because as I said I'm recording downstairs and I'm sat by the window and I'm desperate to not press stop because I want to see how this goes okay there we go come on mate there we go uh, Steve-O continues what do I like about podcasting the most um the most obvious thing I suppose is the people that I've met through this I don't mean having met had a point with shook hands with or so on it's obviously all online and internet based but the people I've met through this and I mean initially um, my good buddy Magsy from uh, chain wrestling that we do together but first meeting through why we watch and Badlands pod when he invited me on there that was my first experience of ever really speaking into a microphone for a podcast i guess <laughs> um maxi's quickly developed into being one of, one of my one of my best mates i speak to him pretty much every day um I, it's, it's great having built that relationship and that friendship with mr mags or lord mags as he is now uh, that's a great thing that, I, that i'm really fond of from the whole podcasting scenario plus people such as yourself steve um utt rob dan griffin scottish dan all, all the people who contribute to their own shows first of all uh, andy and obviously steve who's currently on hiatus from bang bang but they were one of the first shows i listened to back in the day when i was stepping away from i suppose what you might call the big professional podcast the likes of conrad thompson and so on bang bang were one of the first ones i listened to out of that bracket because the, the, their name just came up on a google search so all of these people now that i speak to via twitter and, and so on that's a huge plus point for me people such as yourself who have met through doing this obviously online met i guess um the second thing i guess is getting to just talk about something i love which is professional wrestling and obviously now quantum leap as well with the waiting room my new show that i do with benny but you know it's things i absolutely adore um quantum leap's a favorite tv show of mine i absolutely adore pro wrestling obviously so getting to just talk about that in general and actually having people listen and, and sort of be interested in what I have to say, I feel incredibly privileged that people seem to hold some kind of sort of fondness to my opinion. I, I don't know the correct words, that I don't know how, how, to ter how to term that properly, but that people actually listen to my thoughts or opinions and take them on board. And so again, sometimes people disagree and we can we can talk about that and that's that's fantastic as well. But I feel so privileged that I have the people who who do tune in each week and interact on Twitter and and I have the people who who do download the show. I mean, I'm not going to go into details, but the numbers of the of the shows that I'm that I'm currently doing via Radio Techers, I, I couldn't be happier with. I'm over the moon with them. So it's it, it. I feel really privileged to be in that scenario and being able to talk about something I love and something I adore, and have other people interact with me and kind of like listening to what I have to say. I've never really been in that scenario before in my life, so it's quite a quite a lovely thing to have, Steve. Uh, and finally, Steve-O says here, what hobbies interest me, um, what hobbies do you feel as passionate about as you do with wrestling? Um, I guess football is one. I don't tend to bring it up very much online, on Twitter or anywhere else. 
mainly because I can't handle other people um, and listening or discussing things with them. Uh, it's, it's that sort of thing that I mean, I've, I've been into football quite strong. I used to play to a certain extent, never at a very high level, but an okayish level, I guess. I was an okay footballer, um, but my main kind of sort of lengthy period in the game and success, I suppose, came from running a club with my wife, coaching a youth side for a while, uh, and all that sort of sort of stuff. And that was a big passion of mine for a long time. The, the fact that we did that, um, I was very proud of my achievements as well. I mean, we ran the club for uh, just over 10 years and I'm very proud of the fact that every season we finished higher in the league than we did the previous year. This included two or three promotions. We won the league a few times. But if we stayed in a division for any length of time, we always finished higher than the previous year. So we always had progress. We had a few cup finals, county cup finals and so on. So and, and we did it with a good set of lads who were shall we say not the not the, the we had a couple that were very, very talented, don't get me wrong. But a lot of the other guys in the side were good footballers, but not great. But because we were so well organised and well structured as a team and the people who helped me run it were so good at what they did, we were successful. So I was hugely passionate about that before I had to knock it on the head there because it became more like a job then something I was enjoying plus my daughter my middle daughter started playing football for the city so I would rather go and see her play than um, sort of go out and chase people up in the morning to get them out of bed to come and play a game for me trust me managing a f 30 full-grown men <laughs> it's harder work I reckon than managing children it was ridiculous at times but you know it was what it was we had some good times we had some good times um, I love the music I love going to live shows. Now things are opening, hopefully opening back up again after COVID. Uh, the fact that I can get to gigs, the fact that I've been to a show already with my sister. I've got something else lined up in November, uh, which I'm really looking forward to. Wasp are touring again next year. It, things opening back. And this really excites me. And hopefully at some stage I'm going to start doing a few more podcasts, potentially under the SJP banner, uh, that will touch upon music and live shows and, and so on. That's something else I'm really, really passionate about as well. Um, and I love a bloody good time travel TV show. Whether that is Quantum Leap, Doctor Who, or various other ones that popped up and then disappeared. I really enjoy getting into a proper TV show like that. And especially if the wife gets involved as well. That, that's always a good crap. But yeah, I suppose, I suppose the music and the football. I just don't always talk about it as much online. Because I just can't be doing with the bloody idiots on Twitter. Who seem to think that because they sit in their local pub with their copy of the daily fucking star or some other stupid red top the sun or some crap and and they read a, a really badly informed reporter and i use the term reporter very very loosely a really badly informed reporter spout a nonsense opinion about a player or a manager or a club on the back of this dirtbag newspaper they've read and they can quote this individual that they they're the next Mourinho or they're the next alex ferguson that drives me batty and I can't listen to these people. I cannot listen to them because they talk nonsense. When you start hearing opinions of, oh, United should hire this guy as a manager or, oh, United should do this or, oh, the current one, Ronaldo is the problem at United. Oh, my goodness. It makes my head spin. It really does. But I, I don't want to get involved in those conversations because these people are so opinionated without any any real substance to what they're thinking they're just reeling out cliches they've read 
it drives me batty. So I just try and avoid that conversation altogether. It just drives me nuts. I'd rather just watch the games, enjoy watching the football with my kids, and then go back to what I was doing previously. So, But yeah, great. You know, Thanks for that, Steve. Oh, brilliant question, Sammy. I really appreciate that. Uh, next up, we have all the way from Australia, Chris Mangle, at Mangle underscore Chris on Twitter. And he's probably thinking here, neighbours and home and away, but um, I'm not sure if I can answer with that. He's saying here, which soap character which should become a wrestler and wrestle where? Now, I'm not a massive soap opera fan. Um, I used to watch EastEnders a bit many, many moons ago. My parents would have it on, so I'd end up catching it back in the days of uh, four or five TV channels. Couldn't really turn over. My wife used to watch some, but kind of fallen out with most of them now. Um, I suppose if you're looking for a great heel, if you're looking for a really nasty bad guy, which I think is, you know, there's a shortage of these in professional wrestling. I reckon you can't do no further than Nick Cotton, can you? And also with his whole heroin dependency issues, you know, if he's fallen off the wagon again, he could take a beating and probably not feel it. He could, he could be the ultimate non-selling heel. And he is a nasty piece of work, wasn't he? Um, maybe also Phil Mitchell. Purely because of the length of character you could get from that guy. He's a good guy. He's a bad guy. He's a drinker. He's sober. He's a family man because he gets married all these times. He's a thug. He likes his brother. He hates his brother. He's got more turns and character twists than the big show. You could get 30 years out of this guy in the ring. So potentially that's an idea there. Um, the, the next question Chris asked, this is absolutely, and this really got me thinking, this question is absolutely fascinating. Chris says here, who would I book on my own wrestling supercard? Time and location is not an issue. So I'm taking that as meaning any wrestler from any time period. So I've put together a card here of uh, seven matches or so that I think would make a good wrestling card and would be entertaining. I've tried to cover all aspects as well, a tag match, a ladies match and so on. So I've got here, I would have, um, I'd love to see Okada versus Brian Danielson. Obviously that can still happen, but I think these are two of the greatest wrestlers in the world at the moment and have been for a few years now. So I think that would be absolutely incredible. After seeing the Young Bucks wrestle FTR on AEW television, I would love to have had the opportunity to see the Young Bucks versus the original FTR, I guess, for one for a better term, in Tully and Arn Anderson. Sorry, Tully Blanchard and Arn Anderson. I think that would be awesome with the Bucks, obviously, you know, working as the good guys, Tully and Arn, always more proficient as the bad guys. I think that would be a very, very interesting contest. Um, in the middle of the card, I think it would be a brilliant sort of um, meeting of styles here between Kenny Omega and someone such as a Ricky Steamboat. Uh, I think that would be incredible to watch the styles and the speed of these two guys and both are so smooth on the ring. Steamboat, if you've not seen much Ricky Steamboat, go back and look at it, the standout. So his matches in 89 with Flair and Funk, but there's a couple of matches in 92 with Rick Rude. There's matches in a tag with Dustin Rhodes that's all early 90s WCW time. Go and check out Ricky Steamboat there. The guy is unbelievable. The fact that more people don't have him up there as one of the greatest of all time blows my mind. But yeah, Kenny Omega versus Ricky Steamboat would be on my card. The next match, I think, is one that many people would pick if they could handpick wrestlers from any time, any era, any company. And that would be the opportunity to see Brett the Hitman Hart versus a In His Prime Kurt Angle. 
I suppose both guys in their prime and in his prime Bret Hart versus in his prime Kurt Angle. I mean, that would be an absolute show stealer anywhere. I'd love the opportunity to have seen that. For a ladies match, I've gone very much modern era, I guess. Two, two wrestlers who are of different companies, but modern era now. I'm not saying that these are necessarily the two best in the world at this exact moment. But I think the the size of the ladies, the style and so on, would result in an absolute barnstormer of a contest. I, I'd really enjoy seeing Sasha Banks wrestle Thunder Rosa. Two ladies who I'm very, very fond of with, with their work in their various companies. I think that would be an incredible contest. Just for my own selfishness now, my um, semi-main event would be two of my favourites of all time, uh, CM Punk versus Ric Flair, but Ric Flair from 1989, I think that would be awesome, but that's, again, a selfish standpoint, that's not one that maybe would pop into many other people's heads, but I think that would be quite the visual. And then as my main event, and I think this is heartbreaking that this match never actually happened, but my main event would be the opportunity to see Shawn Michaels versus Eddie Guerrero. And I think even though some of the matches I've put on under under in the undercard here could potentially steal the show, I think Michaels versus Eddie Guerrero would steal the show. I think it would be absolutely just incredible. I think they would go off the star scales that certain people do. And I think with me and Mr. Mags reviewed it on Chain Wrestling, we'd go well and beyond our out of 10 system there. <laughs> I just think that I mean, Michaels, as people know, one of my all-time faves. And... The opportunity to see him wrestle someone as good as an Eddie Guerrero in his prime. The, the, the words, you just there's not words to describe how great that would be. Hello, this is Charlie, and you are listening to the SJP Wrestling Podcast. Okay, next up we have another from our good friend Millwall Chris at Millwall Chris One on Twitter. He asks, "You can attend any wrestling event in history. Which one do you choose and why?" Now, straight away in my head, I'm thinking, "Well, WrestleMania 17 is going to be really close to the top of that list because that was, to me, one of the greatest shows ever." However, Chris doesn't make it that easy. He puts some conditions here. Cannot have been held in the UK or Ireland cannot be a Wrestlemania cannot be a Raw or Smackdown or any sort of weekly show bloody hell Chris you don't make it easy do you um, I suppose one that stands out to me straight away would be the 1992 Raw Rumble purely because Ric Flair is one of my favourites of all time and that performance was insane and the, the star power for that rumble, Hogan was there, Sid was there, so many top, top guys, The Undertaker, all the top guys from that time were in the rumble match itself. Now, sadly, that led to quite a weak, shoddy undercard. However, the rumble itself, I still think, is one of the, the top two rumbles of all time. I, ah, see, 92, I suppose you've got War 92, just for the main event again, which was a War Games match. But again, similar to the Rumble in 92, it took it took all the talent away from the undercard as well. So the undercard's fairly weak, barring the Steiners tag match, I guess. I suppose, I'm just a huge, huge Shawn Michaels mark. SummerSlam 2002 has got to be up there. His return match after God knows how many years out. 
against Triple H. Such a fantastic contest. The opener was Rey Mysterio versus Kurt Angle. That was brilliant. The main event was Rock versus Brock for the title. That was great too. So that, that's got to be up there, I guess, from a personal standpoint. Oh dear me. Um, Survivor Series 2002 as well has a shout. Again, it's, it's the first Elimination Chamber match. Michaels wins the world title. It's the only time Sean held the big gold belt, which is my favourite championship. So it's my favourite wrestler holding my favourite championship. So that's there. First Elimination Chamber. Also, Madison Square Garden. Scott Steiner's debut before we knew it was all going to go to shit. An incredible elimination tag. Oh, you know what? There's a tables match in there as well, I think, with the Hardys involved and the Dudleys. And yeah, I'm going to go Survivor Series 2002, Madison Square Garden. Sean wins the big gold belt. I think that's where I'd have to go, Chris. What a brilliant question, though. Especially with those stipulations taking away WrestleManias and so on. Why? That is fantastic. If you don't mind, I may rob that for. Uh, a future question on chain wrestling because I mean that is that is superb uh, we have a question here from my good friend Handy at Handy T1TF on Twitter he says where would you rank the Legion of Doom among the best all time factions now this kind of threw me a little bit because I've never really viewed the Legion of Doom as a faction I've always just viewed them as a tag team but I guess I guess Paul Ellering was there as well, even though he was a manager. Um, he was involved in a couple of matches very early on, I think. I mean, I could be completely wrong there. Please correct me if I am, but that does ring a bell somewhere. And then, obviously, in later years, you had a third member involved on occasions. I suppose Draws was the only one, potentially, wasn't he? Hmm. And when it comes to factions, I'm talking all-time greatest. To me... The horsemen are always number one. I think they were the they were the blueprint of what makes what makes a great faction. They had they had the number one guy in Flair. They always had a tag team that were capable of winning the tag team titles. They would have the enforcer role of Art Anderson for so long. Then you had a young up and comer, whether that was Sting or whether that was Luger or Wyndham held that role for quite a while and probably my favourite incarnation of the Horsemen was when Wyndham was there I just think the Horsemen epitomise everything a faction should be and they were involved in so many storylines from the top to bottom of the card that just made that era whether it was of Dusty Rhodes or Magnum TA or so many others as well after the Horsemen I think for Impact alone the NWO was huge DX were fantastic as well. Of course they were. The attitude era in WWF was, was massive. And DX played a big part of that. But they almost felt secondary to the NWO for me. Because the NWO did it did a lot of what they did first, I guess. I mean, I could be completely wrong there. But it's a similar sort of time frame, mid to late 90s. So, I don't know. I, I kind of look at the Horsemen and the NWO as being my top factions, I think. Um... I wouldn't really, I'll be honest, I'd, I'd struggle to place the Legion of Doom in as a faction. I mean, if you want to talk tag teams, I, I think they're in the top four or five of all time. Um, in ring, you, you're not going to get a, a, a five-star classic from them, are you? Their music would hit, the crowd would go batshit crazy, they'd walk to the ring, they'd batter their opponents, they'd leave. But then at the same time, how cool is that? How brilliant was that? The crowd used to go mental for them. How, I mean, they, they were so over, Dusty Rhodes attached himself to them. 
you know and Dusty only did that with people who were really really over I mean, I mean Goldberg made a career out of it whether you like him or not now but in 98 Goldberg was the hottest thing in wrestling along with you know Mr. Austin on the other channel so that squash match kind of ethos that squash match kind of style I guess does work if done in a certain way they did have some good matches of course they did uh, but I mean I, I rate Tully and Arn above them as a tag team I rate the Midnight Express both incarnations above above the Road Warriors as a tag team I'd probably put the Rock and Roll Express above them also just because in ring I think you get more from them but after that I'm struggling to think of another tag team that I would place above the Legion of Doom or the Road Warriors and they were just so freaking cool weren't they two massive burly blokes just beating the crap out of people I mean what's not to love about that so that's quite probably why I think with that handy as a fa as a faction it's difficult for me to rank them because i've never really looked at them as a faction i'm not gonna lie but as a tag team gotta be right up there gotta be right up there you know i mean the only other occasion you could think i suppose of the legion of doom as being a faction was way back when when it started where the road warriors were part of the legion of doom faction but at the same time I, i've not seen a great deal of that time period so it'd be, it'd be very difficult for me to judge, I'm afraid, my friend, because I've not got, I've not seen enough to pass a proper amount of judgment upon the Legion of Doom faction from way back when, when the Road Warriors kind of split away and took the Legion of Doom name. So all I can do is look at the Legion of Doom as a tag. I'll tell you what I will do, though, Handy. I will look into it more. And I will try and find some footage. I'm assuming there's some online. Um, if you can find good stuff yourself or you already know of some of the legion of doom faction itself from again a long time ago and as far as i'm aware it didn't last very long i think maybe even less than 12 months before people started partying and splitting off in different ways and so on and the legion of doom name kind of stuck with the road warriors if you have matches or moments that stick in your mind send me links my friend i'll look at it and then i'll, I'll discuss it again on a future episode of sjp but if i'm looking at the legion of doom stroke road warriors i kind of have to bundle, bundle them in as a tag team at the moment because when they were a faction in the very early days i don't know anything about it enough or don't know enough about it to pass fair judgment but again a brilliant question because it's got me thinking it's got me thinking of legion of doom with regards to greatest tag teams of all time of them running through greatest factions of all time um so yeah, it's something that has interested me now. I'm going, to, I'm going to look things up. I'm going to look more into this. So brilliant for that, Handy. Thank you so, so much for getting in touch with the show. Absolutely great stuff. Uh, as we draw to a close here, we have a few more to finish off. We have the Good Cop, Bad Cop Wrestling Podcast at Good Bad Wrestle on Twitter. The message reads, As your new podcast, The Waiting Room, reviews episodes of Quantum Leap, what do you think of other shows with leaps, jumps, or slides, such as sliders? Um, first of all, The Waiting Room is with my good friend, Mr. Benny Mac, uh, at B at B E triple N Y Mac on Twitter, Benny Mac. Um, and you can find The Waiting Room on Twitter as well, at Waiting Room underscore on Twitter. The show's available, as is this one, and Chain Wrestling, exclusively with Radio Tuckers. And it's about the Quantum Leap time travel TV show from... It started in 89, ran through till uh, some part in 93. A bit of a cult TV show that Benny and I both adore. Um, check it out. 
new episodes every single Friday. So have a listen and let us know what you think. Sliders I've never seen. But if you're lumping that in there in a question on Quantum Leap, perhaps that's something I need to check out. I've got lots of homework this week, haven't I? I'm looking at sliders. I'm going to be looking at the original Legion of Doom faction because I've not done it justice with, with Handy's question there. I think my answer was a bit skew-if and, and a bit off. So Handy, I apologise, mate, if that wasn't what you were looking for. But, um, yeah, I've not seen sliders. I'm going to need to look at that. I mean, with regards to time travel TV shows in general, that's my wheelhouse. That's what I love. I adore time travel TV shows. But they have to be done in a certain way. They have to make sense. I know this is going to sound so silly and so contradictory now. But they have to make sense because... In my head, there's a way time travel works, even though it's not real. I understand before people jump online and start taking the piss. Trust me, I've been talking like this since I was at infant school. No one can take the piss out of me in a new way that I've not heard before in the last 30 years. So you want to try? Crack on. But either way, to me, there's certain aspects of time travel that need to make sense. I have seen shows that break these time travel rules. The way they do that sometimes is okay sometimes it is not i like shows like quantum leap that have a rough idea of what they're doing with regards to the whole time travel theory behind the program i love doctor who have done since i was a child um, and i'm very keen to be starting a doctor who podcast very very soon in the future uh, very much on the drawing board looking at options for that yes i know another show from me i'm gonna get bored of my voice soon if everyone listens to everything but hopefully you'll give it a try um radio tech has already said they're very interested which is fantastic so that's something i'm looking at doing there's no time scale on that there's no time frame on that but it is something i'm looking at doing sometime in in the near future um, but yeah, I love Doctor Who, I love Quantum Leap. There was a show called Travellers, which I believe was on Netflix, which starred, I can never remember the guy's name, and I'm so, so sorry, but it starred the fella who played Will in Will and Grace. And the theory behind it was that in our time, things were all going wrong and stuff would happen that would make the future a very dark and bleak place. And when people in our time were about to pass away, just as their, I guess, soul or subconscious would leave their body, somebody from the future would travel back and take over their body. But they would travel in teams. There'd be teams of five or six. And you know, the main character, his body is that of an FBI agent. Part of his team is somebody who is homeless and a heroin addict. Another part of his team is a lady who... Her body was that of a mentally handicapped person, but obviously the person who's leapt into that body, I say leapt like it's quantum leap, it's not quite the same, but you understand the point I'm trying to make, is not mentally handicapped. So they have to try and live their normal lives whilst also trying to accept these missions from the future, meet up as their team, and try and change stuff in our time that affects the future. It's a very, very clever show. There only made two seasons. Um, it ended with no cliffhangers. It's got a start, a middle, and an end. Very, very clever show. So if you get a chance to check out Travellers online on Netflix, please do. It's really, really good. Um, that's all I can really comment on those, I guess. I'll give anything time travel-wise a go. I'll give anything a go. And normally if I've watched one or two, I have to watch the whole series just to see how it ends, to give it a fair try. But if you're looking beyond Quantum Leap, beyond Doctor Who, I suppose you're looking at Travellers... 
there ain't many others to that but i'm definitely going to check out sliders so that's a uh, a good cop moment for me there so thank you very much fellas um that good bad wrestle on twitter continues when are you and dan griffin reviewing that southern pizza well as soon as we get an opportunity i guess um i'm not gonna lie a lot of things i say i'm gonna do i wake up the next day and i've totally forgot about I need constant reminder, reminders from the wife that I've said I'm going to take the dog out or I'm going to do the garden or I'm going to do this or I'm going to do that. It's the same as sharing a pizza with Dan. So Dan, I apologise. Guys at Good Bad Wrestle, I apologise. Let's sort it out. Dan, let's make it a big, hairy, sweaty mandate and get that pizza eaten, okay? And lastly, again, because of the Quantum Leap uh, links, Good Bad Wrestle here says, what did I make of Scott Bakula, who played sam in quantum leap what do i make of scott bacula in his role in enterprise and again i'm afraid i'm going to be absolutely no help whatsoever because i've never seen it i enjoyed little bits of the original star trek but it's a bit too dated for me potentially um next generation i watched when it was on television because one night at six o'clock on bbc2 you would have quantum leap the next night at six o'clock on BBC Two, you would have Star Trek The Next Generation. So I ended up watching that. Um, I've tried watching reruns recently. It doesn't hold up as well as I remember from when I was 10, 11 years old. But yeah, it's not um, any other Star Trek. is isn't something I really massively got into. I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with that. I mean, Trekkies, as I suppose they are known, Star Trek fans are all over the world and there's massive popular conventions and so on and there's so many spin-offs it's insane so the franchise is, is you know got so many different layers to it and i wish i had seen more of scott Bakula playing different roles but whenever i see him in anything i mean he popped up in uh, my wife watched desperate housewives um she re-watched the whole thing recently it came up on amazon tv or netflix or disney tv or one of these subscription services that that we have here and my wife saw it put an episode on just for a giggle for old time's sake hooked her back in she rewatched the whole show so i caught parts of it now scott bacula played a role in that he was a lawyer in one of the later seasons which is kind of a funny crossover because terry hatcher is in desperate housewives and she was in episode two um sorry episode three of quantum leap as well but by the by i saw scott bacula in desperate housewives didn't matter what he did didn't matter how much of a scumbag lawyer he was, that was still Sam Beckett to me. So I think I'm going to struggle if I see him in anything else. Even if he has stood on the bridge of the Enterprise with people calling him captain, I'm still going to think, oh, that's Dr. Sam Beckett. So maybe I'll struggle with that. But at, at Good Bad Wrestle, Good Cop, Bad Cop Wrestling Podcast, thank you so, so much for those brilliant questions. Same as everybody else. Absolutely brilliant stuff. And go and give um, the at good bad wrestle twitter account a follow and listen to the good bad good cop bad cop sorry wrestling podcast it is fantastic graham and matt are two absolute diamond blokes producing brilliant shows every week i bloody love it get involved it is fantastic okay and finally we have a three-part question here i guess from my chain wrestling partner in crime uh, lord mags at podfather mags on twitter he starts first of all um it's quite it's quite it's great selection of questions to be honest i've got a three-part question here one part is wrestling one part is nonsense which is the chain wrestling way and the last one is something that i've never thought of before but it's brilliant so i'm saying i've purposely saved this till last the first part is 
which current AEW wrestler do you think you could take in a real fight? Marco Stunt. It's that straightforward. And I don't care if he's trained in different levels of martial arts. I don't care if he's some kind of, I don't know, he's got eight black belts in all this different, I don't care. I don't care if he brings his big mate, the dinosaur. If I'm fighting Marco Stunt, just me versus Marco Stunt, then I'm sorry, but I think I could take him because he's smaller than every single one of my children. And as talented as the guy may be, and as much as my youngest daughter, Charlie, who adores AEW, she loves Jurassic Express. And she thinks Marco Stunt is wonderful. I don't get it. Maybe it's the old school wrestling fan in me. And I apologise to anyone out there that I may offend. And I'm not trying to upset anyone. I'm just speaking I'm just speaking from the heart here. I don't get it. He's very small. He's, he's very thin. There's nothing to him. And yet you've got guys like Brian Cage selling head scissors from him and so on. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. There's a place in wrestling for smaller guys working with other smaller guys. And smaller guys can work with bigger guys. It, you know, Rey Mysterio famously won the World Championship. You know, Shawn Michaels won the World Title when WWE was so very much Land of the Giants. Uh, with Sid and Vader and so on banging around. But to me, Marco Stunt, I cannot suspend my disbelief that far when he's working with someone like a Brian Cage or something like that. If he's working with somebody else on the smaller side, again, Marco Stunt is going to look very, very small, but maybe I can believe it more. I don't know. But I also find him incredibly irritating. Just the way he thinks he's believe big balls. I know he's playing a character here before anyone jumps on Twitter and starts going, I'm sorry, you're a bloody idiot. But I know he's playing a character. But I find it irritating the way he, he's almost trying to do almost a scrappy-do kind of effort where he's tiny and he jumps in front of his partners to go and fight people. And I'm just looking at him just thinking, oh, somebody just, somebody just chin him. Somebody just drop him for crying out loud. And sometimes I say this out loud and my little girl goes in a half with me, but what can you do? Um, the second part, which is more embarrassing, losing at a thumb war to your kid or losing an arm wrestle to your missus? This depends upon which kid. If I lose a thumb war to my middle daughter, Olivia, I can take that because everyone knows Liv's a tough little cowbag. She's a proper hardcore little lass. And thumb war, arm wrestle, proper full-on fight, she'd probably take me. Losing to my youngest, I'd struggle with because she's my youngest. Losing to my lad, I would struggle with because... He's a cocky git and he just run his mouth all the time. About even something as simple as winning a fumble. So I'd probably hate that. Um, losing an arm wrestle to my missus, I don't think it's a big issue. My wife's, you know, more than capable of handling herself in a physical situation. An arm wrestle is, you know, not that drastic a physical situation. And she's much, much tougher than me. So I, that wouldn't be the issue at all. I think losing a fumble, I think, to uh, to my son would potentially be more embarrassing. Or to my youngest daughter. Would be the would be the ones I'd be looking at there, uh, and finally for this week's show, finally for this week's Q and A episode of SJP. Which again, thank you so so much everyone for sending questions in. I love it. Magsy asks, if you could swap podcast with anyone for one show, whose podcast and what would your episode be about? Now this really stumped me. I. 
I think I would like to have a sit-down conversation with Jim Ross. So straight away that popped in my head, swapping with Conrad Thompson and being able to sit down and talk to Jim Ross. But I don't know the subject. I imagine it'd be old-school NWA-based stuff, but just having a couple of hours to sit down and talk with Jim. Perhaps I'd do something like this. Perhaps it'd just be a sit-down with Jim Ross and a Q&A. I'd love that, and I wouldn't ask for questions because I could think of hundreds for my own. I'd be really selfish and not ask for Twitter questions and just do it on my own. Um, that would be one option for me. But sort of slightly changing the question a little bit, potentially. I think that the the podcast that you did yourself, Magsy, um, Why We Watch, was an absolutely fantastic format, and one that at the moment I think would would fit right back in to everyone's schedule with so many new content creators out there so many new podcasters and writers and wonderful people to talk to and also catching up with previous content creators Pre- I hate that term content I don't know why I hate that so much everyone uses it and it is the correct term but I don't like it I don't know why but anyway podcasters uh, twitch streamers um, YouTube video makers, writers, so many new new faces coming into the, the content creating world. And also the old faces that you've spoken to before, so much has changed. Um, the guys from Bang Bang, the, the potential to talk to them. What I'm doing now is so much different to when I popped on the show. I mean, I've got podcasts on my own now. When I spoke to you for Why We Watch, I was just writing things. Uh, so many other guys out there doing different shows. I mean, look at the guys from Techers. Now, there's people there doing different things that they've never done before. So many options with new faces and catching up with old faces. I think why we watch, as, even if it was a limited 15, 10, 20, whatever episode season or whatever, would be fantastic. And the opportunity to do something like that with that kind of format, I think would be very interesting. And that kind of stems from sitting down and talking to my wife for a previous episode of SJP and just discussing wrestling with her when we did an awesome foursome and getting her background on wrestling. I thought, man, Magsy used to do this so well all the time with Why We Watch. There's potential there, I think. That would be that would be a great show. I'd love to have an opportunity to do that. Or even better, listen to you do it again. That would be fantastic. Um, other than that, ooh, talking 90s wrestling, a changing attitude, that would be fun. Sitting in there one day. Um, Monday Night Chores is one I enjoy a great deal just because the guys make me laugh so I'd imagine I'd I'd enjoy sitting and listening to them but the opportunity to as much as I love all the the people that we share our little community with the opportunity to to abuse this this chance this opportunity you're giving me to sit down and speak to one of my heroes in wrestling Jim Ross that'd be too much for me to pass down I think mate that'd be too much for me to pass away so okay there we go. That concludes this week's um, Ask Sai Anything, um, SJP Q&A, however you want to word it, I suppose. That concludes all of that. Uh, I want to say a huge thank you to everybody who has took the time to send a tweet in, took the time to send any questions in, took the time to think outside the box as well and send me questions that I've I've not really thought of before. I've had a brilliant time reading these, looking at, trying to figure out how I'm going to answer certain things. I hope this episode has gone well. Podcasting on my own is something I've never done before, other than 20 minutes live on YouTube when I had people in the live chat to guide me. This is literally me sat in my back room 
we were a couple of years talking into a microphone no one else here other than my dogs and cats which you've heard a few cameos from i would imagine if the microphones picked it up my cat running through the kitchen the dog scratching and being a nuisance letting billy in and out the window because he's a pain in the backside if you heard any of that i do apologize but yeah just me on my own with a microphone it's been weird it's been weird um but ultimately i think i enjoyed it Hopefully it came across okay. Hopefully this sort of slight deviation from the normal SJP formats is all right and everyone's enjoyed it. So make sure you send me feedback to at SJP Words on Twitter or to the show at SJP Wrestling Pod. Um, I want to give a big shout out to the guys at Visionaries Global Media where this show started off and to the guys at Radio Techers where the show currently resides. I'm so grateful to all of you people who have supported me since day one when I started this, this I suppose, podcasting journey for want of a cringy, you know, cheesy term, I guess. But I'm hugely grateful to all you guys and all you guys who supported me as well. Magsy, um, everyone everyone who's involved in our little community with Chain Wrestling. There's too many people to mention. You're all absolutely fantastic for the, the questions, the likes, the shares, the retweets, everything you get involved with. So... Thank you so, so much for getting involved with this. And ultimately, finally, thank you so much to the wife, because I wouldn't be doing this if she didn't give me a kick at the backside, because I'm notoriously lazy. So there we go. One last time, you can follow me at SJP Words on Twitter. You can follow the show at SJP Wrestling Pod on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Uh, you can check out Chain Wrestling live on a Monday night via Radio Techers. You can check out The Waiting Room, a Quantum Leap podcast with Benny, Mac, and myself. It comes out every Friday via Radio Techers. Um, look up at SJP Words on Twitter for all information about when my shows come out. Chain Wrestling with Magsy, Waiting Room, SJP, potentially a new show again coming soon. Who knows? Um, give all of it a follow. Don't miss out if you enjoy what you're listening to, if you enjoy hearing my voice. Um, obviously, don't follow it if you think I'm a, a Gloucester jackass you don't know what he's on about. That's fine as well. No problem. It's a free country. <laughs> uh, and finally, one last time as well. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening.